Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Dr. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Nick. Doing amazing today, guys. Absolutely amazing. Looking forward to this all day, that's for sure. Well, I, I'm excited that you're here. I know we've uh, had to push this around a couple times, scheduling-wise and all, but hey, here we are. Uh, and I'm excited to get into everything. I know you've done a lot of different shows, and you've probably gone through a lot of different stuff in these different shows that you've been on. But more than that, I know you've been through a lot in life. So I'm excited to get into the background and really some of the wisdom that you've kind of figured out over the course of time. So I don't want to steal your thunder, man. Why don't you tell us what do you do for a living and what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe odd or bizarre? What I do for a living is I'm, <clears throat> I'm a doctor specializing in addiction and trauma and mindset. So uh, I have five practices around the world, pretty well known, uh, deal with high-end clients. Um, so yeah, just have a good old fun alcoholic myself who lost everything. Uh, what no, most people don't know about me is I used to be the bass player at Abbey Road Studios in London. Yes, where the Beatles played. I played with Elton John, David Bowie and Queen. And I was actually upstairs in the Savoy Hotel in the penthouse suite when that famous phone call from Elton John, I was sat next to him, down to the manager of the hotel, asking him if he doesn't stop the rain immediately, he will not book into this hotel ever again. Oh, man. That is cool. That is not something that would just typically come up in random, even bar conversation. Because how the fuck would you get into that without somebody asking you a question like that? So how do you get into what you're doing today coming from what seems like a musician's background? Well, <clears throat> I was born in Manchester, Moss Side, Manchester, to be correct, in the UK. I've been in America about 15 years. Uh, but I'm an alcoholic, you know. Alcoholism runs in the family. Um, and I haven't drank for some time now, but you know, it took everything off me as I went through. And one of the reasons I do what I do, where I do it so passionately, is when I was going through this stuff myself, nobody was there to help me. Nobody come up and says, hey, listen, if you do this, this might happen. Everyone turned their back and I lost everything, man. The cars, houses, wives, children, and uh, ended up homeless. And uh, you know, when I, I swore to myself and to God, if I ever come back up the streets, because I did my research, 97% of people on Piccadilly Gardens in Manchester, UK, die on the streets. I was one of the 3% that made it off after 14 months. I made it off the streets. And I'm passionate about this shit, man. You know, I'm really passionate, bordering on aggressive sometimes. If you want to get well, if you want to achieve your dreams, if you want to change your mindset, neural pathways, basal ganglia, uh, and uh, hypothalamus, I'm your guy. If you don't, go away. I'm not interested in you. I mean, it makes sense that I get as you go through shit in life and you figure things out, you become deeply passionate about it because of the fucking craziness you've been through. So I hear different people at times say they've been through some things, but they haven't fully processed through it. And you could tell that it didn't really affect them in such a way to move them. So I love when I have people on that are so, that are moving in such a way. Now you talk about being from Manchester. I don't know it's like there with the overall speed of people. I'm from the northeast of the U.S. and Philadelphia, and we typically fucking move pretty quickly, and we're typically pretty passionate people. So I'm akin to that. I feel where you're going. One of the biggest things that really stood out, even bringing you on to the show, was the alcoholism that runs in the family. I think a lot of people don't want to fucking look at that. 
they don't want to think about their mom or dad or whoever being an alcoholic because then that not only reflects on them poorly, but it also points out that they're probably an alcoholic too. Did you have struggles as you were going through that or was it just you basically got to the end of the road and you're standing on the street going, fuck, I need to do something different? I, it, it came slowly. Alcoholism trace is, um, wasn't invented in the 70s and 80s when I went through it. And there's a couple of things you need to know, guys. Alcoholism, uh, alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. And what, uh, alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism, the same with drugs. It's all mindset, it's all neuroscience, it's all neuroplasticity. So when I did lose everything and go through all that shit, I just knew that somehow, and I don't know, to be honest, Nick, how somehow I would end up where I am today. You know, just to, just to um, change people's minds. Sucks. I, I, I build champions, we build empires together. You know, the alcohol that's gone from the first day. Five out of my six patients today are not alcoholics or addicts. They're just guys who can't get through a certain level, high-class CEOs, and I'm taking them to the next level because if you mix neuroscience with quantum physics, which is what we do, with neuroplasticity, uh, with brain spotting, you realize, and here we go, guys, that you can have anything you want in life. And that I have a cool video that shows live inside somebody's brain of the neural pathways connecting. You see, the neural pathways, and most people don't know this, for success, for wealth, for enjoyment, for happy, for families, everything, is already in your brain. What most people never do in their life is they never connect it. We specialize it in connecting the neural pathways. The rest is easy. So having some initial conversation with somebody, and I'm not expecting you to give secret sauce, but again, some sort of tactical takeaway for this. What would you suggest for somebody that's thinking through that now, but not ready to have that conversation with somebody like yourself? What can they do on their own? Uh, well, just believe in yourself, first of all, and then uh, just watch your behavior. You know, you can change. When you start changing other people's lives by complimenting them, by saying hello, or whatever it may be, then you start to change yourself. You will know when you're ready. We turn people down, more, more people down than we do take on because you have to be ready for certain things and don't let anybody tell you different. Don't let anybody force you into anything that's not gonna work right now because it will sit in the subconscious brain as a failure. Some failures are good when you get back up again, but with mindset, you have gotta be real careful. It'll only take so many hints before every single time that self-sabotage will kick off and the internal dialogue will kick off in your head every couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever it is, and it will destroy you. Because if I keep telling you every day you're a piece of shit, guess what? You're going to start to fucking believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too many of us, uh, <laughs> we just beat the shit out of ourselves for almost no good fucking reason. We just kind of beat the hell out of ourselves. And it's been brought up so many different times. But if you had a friend or an acquaintance that talked to you the way that you talk to yourself, you'd have a restraining order against them. You would have to. They're fucking crazy. So let's take a little bit of a step back, though. When you're a musician, a musician as well, I think drugs, alcohol, sex, all of that just kind of goes along with the instruments at times. So being able to step outside of that, was that really when you were still in into the music side of things or were you far out of that at that point? No, I, well, I was deep in my addiction at Abbey Road. I was deep in my addiction uh, homeless. I was deep in my addiction at college, university. Um, <clears throat> you know, it kind of gets a grip out of you without. You see, what happened with me at Abbey Road is I went for an audition for the, uh, the house bass player and uh, I, had, I had a beer before I went in. I was so nervous. I had a beer, gave me courage, went in, got a second one. 
Second time I went there, I had two beers for the second interview. It makes sense to me. I got it on the first one. I had seven auditions for that position. So I had seven beers before I went in for my audition. Don't remember it, blacked out completely. Next day I woke up in my bedroom at home uh, and I got a letter a week later saying you got the job. What does that tell me? It tells me when I drink, I'm fucking awesome. You know, and that's how it gets you. And all of a sudden it starts turning on you and you're done, absolutely done. And again, 1% to do with any kind of disease or any kind of uh, mindset or mental shift, neural pathways shift. It's all this, the same stuff. It's just just because he's an alcoholic, the treatment for him and the CEO wants to you know, double his income in the next two years. The treatment from here is still the same because it's not about the alcohol or drugs or cake or food or porn. It's about mindset and mindset only. And now our brains turn on us the only thing I would say differently is the alcoholic brain is born with three parts different to anybody else. It's the amygdala, the hypothalamus, and the basal ganglia are set differently to any other person in the world, the alcoholics. It's hereditary, it's passed down from generation to generation. That's the only difference. So knowing that now, being able to look back at what you've been through and that your parents must have had some alcoholism in their, in their lineage, how do you then make that change outside of the simple side of just become aware of it and do something different? What can you actually do to make that change? When I was going through it, I was done, mate. When I was on the streets, kids taken off me, everything gone, nobody took my calls, people would lock the door when I called the police. I was done, I didn't want to get off. I didn't want help, I was done. I tried to commit suicide seven times and on two occasions I succeeded. My heart stopped on the side of an old stinky, rainy, wet road in Manchester. And the fuckers brought me back to life again. I hated them guys for that. I hated them. So mine wasn't a conscious decision to get well. I had a huge, what they call a spiritual awakening in Manchester one morning in the pouring rain when I was done. I mean, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was done. And that's what happened to me. And you know, if you're going through anything that most people, most people operate on 30, 35% of what they can truly operate on. Doesn't matter what you do for a living, how successful you are, there's 30 people in the world that play at their best, whether it be football, rock music, whatever. You, you can play at 100% capacity. You start to see the world for what it is and you start to see how the world works and how the patterns work and that you really can have anything that you want. There's obviously a price to, price to pay for everything, but if you want to be the CEO of the football, there's a way that you can get that and it's 100% guaranteed, you know? And that's what we're passionate about, is getting people and reuniting families to where they need to be, not where, the, what they're, what they're, where they was and just, life is just, oh God, it's Monday, oh God, it's Tuesday. That's not the way to live life, man. I went to bed last night, I was 19, I woke up this morning, I was 61. That's how fast life goes. You haven't got time, guys, believe me, you haven't. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting balance to try to find how you can understand that you uh, we're all moral, you know, mortal, and we're going to die at some point. So it's not like we have an infinite amount of time. But you also don't want to stress yourself the fuck out. How some people get almost uh, crippled by, you know, I could die tomorrow, or I have an extended period of time. I'm not going to do a damn thing. So being able to find that balance is there's a sweet spot to it. It takes a lot of people getting to a point where they go, "Fuck it, I've had enough. I need to put something in place here." But how would you suggest that somebody actually do some of that before they get to the point where they're either on the street or their kids are taken away or whatever that looks like? Dialogue is the most important thing. You know, if you're in that mindset that's, that's broken, uh, you need to start dialogue with somebody. 
um, immediately, you know, whether it'll be drugs, whatever it is, the mindset needs changing. Uh, you need to start dialogue. That's all you need to start doing. And then when you're ready for help, you know, we're also a referral company. So we only take in four patients at any one time. So it's very unlikely you're going to get in with us, but we will refer, you know, call the website. My wife will answer the phone. She'll speak to you all day long about it. You know, we're here to help. So it's just moving forward and realizing that you're, you're actually born for better things than what you're doing. You see, some people don't have the shift. Some people are okay with the way they're born. My brother is, just like my dad, he grew up, he had some kids, he worked for the shop around the corner. He can afford to go out on a Friday night only, just enough money to get five beers and go home to the... I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I saw the world for what it was. I saw that you could take anything that you want to take. So listen, if you're at home and you want to make... Well, first of all, if you're at home in this position, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. We're born with million dollar minds. Stop fucking hanging around 10 cent minds. Get some, get some guys around you. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Start discussing your problems and then get hold of a professional. Call us. We'll, we'll direct you, but you have to do something. And our research and studies over the last 30 years show a time frame of 7.3 seconds whenever we're going to do anything. That's how the brain works. If I'm going to lay on the sofa and I'm eating chips, I'm drinking this big you know, soda that's not good for me and I'm watching TV and I go, oh, wifey, I need to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm not going to go unless one thing happens. Within that time frame, I'll walk to the bedroom, I'll get my stuff, I'll put it in and I'll put it near the door for the next morning. Now I'm going to go to the gym the next day. But we procrastinate and that's one. Pro procrastination and isolation is what we've got into over the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, it's funny you bring that up. I use that very often because uh, that was something I had to do to get myself into the gym after a handful of years, years ago, it was like, I'm just going to put my shit near the door and here I am. But it's also just like on the mental side, it's still a workout. It's more of a workout mental wise than it is physical because we're constantly being worked every single moment of the day. And we tend to just let the shit fucking roll and subconscious kind of takes over and goes from there. But we're able to actually control that. So bouncing from where you were, as a musician, then losing everything and kind of being on that tough spot. But now that you know that the alcoholism was in your, in your blood, it was literally passed down to you. How does your relationship with your parents differ when you know where they were and kind of what they were going through? Um, I kind of had, I felt sorry for them a little bit. You know, uh, I hate the saying, you know, well, our parents did our best. No, fuck you. No, they didn't. I'm sorry, parents, but nobody does. You know, to, to let me know at nine, ten years old that we have a problem in the family would have been the best thing. But it is what it is. I changed the generational, loads of generational people from, from talking. But, you know, it, it's just nobody's prepared for it. When the golden boy in the family turns out to be an old drunk, <clears throat> you know, who stabbed his wife three times one night because she wouldn't let him finish his bottle of vodka, that guy, you know, it's a disappointment to everybody. Who blames who? Well, Coming through everything I've been through, I don't think there's any blame. I just think that, you know, I look, I look at my mom an alcoholic. I look at my cousin alcoholic. My, my dad's brother was a chronic alcoholic. You know, my cousin's an alcoholic. I see it in the family, you know, and it's, it, it's going to ruin the family. I, I oh, man, I was like a contagious disease, man. I infected everybody that I came across with my disease. And it's the same with, with, with small thinking. And it's the same with... You know, you get, you get an office full of people, 10 people in there and they're thriving. You get one person there that starts to have a dip. It's like a cancer. All of a sudden, the whole office is laid back and not doing as much work, you know? So that's, that's what seemed to happen in my family. But 
Yeah, if only it was uh if it only worked on the opposite side of that, where being that light shared a lot faster, but it's not. It's the negative side and the darkness kind of takes that stuff over. Um but it it also it's interesting to hear how you seem like that type of person where you just you're fucking all in on the things you're all in on. All in. All in. And being able to switch from I'm not going to do this anymore, hurt myself. Now I'm going to help people and be able to do that. I get where some of that aggression comes from uh, because, it, yeah, once you're on that path and you're running with it, that's huge. That's the reason why I was asking about going back to your parents. My, my mom's an alcoholic. I don't know if she believes she is, but it's there. And I know that I've had those tendencies where I've recently actually stopped. I think it's been 45, 47 days today. But one of those things where I noticed that there was a problem and noticed it was coming from that and having that conversation with her, she's not ready to have that conversation with herself. So that's why I was asking the relationship that you have with your parents. I can get where you look at and go, hey, that must have been tough. But did you have that conversation with them to know, hey, I this is what I got from you, but that's okay because I'm working through it. Or was it, fuck you guys, that's what you gave me. I was angry at the time I was on the streets and they turned their back on me. I was angry for a long time after that. And it's only when I had the conversation with my mom, uh, something happened when my dad, when, when I lost everything, I went to my parents' house and I lasted three days and my dad threw me out, two o'clock in the morning, a pair of shorts, a little coat, he gave me 10 pounds and said, you've got to go, son. And he locked the door behind me. I never passed that house uh, for many, many years. But I remember many years later when I'm sat with my mom and dad's in the bar, you know, around the corner in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the club. And I said to my mom, I said, you know, that time dad threw me out, I, I was, uh, I hated that man. I still do, I think, mom. And this is what she said to me. She said, son, in 50 odd years of being married to your father, that's the only time I've seen him cry. So I knew there was hurt there both ways, you know, and, and I made my amends and I said, I'm sorry. And, I, you know, it's not your guy's fault because that I suffered trauma in that house that they didn't know was trauma. You know, when, when Friday night used to drop us off at their friends and when, the, when my mum and dad left the, the avenue going to the bar, we used to have to play the run round naked game, which meant I got undressed and the two adults did and we used to walk around. I didn't think that was trauma. I didn't think it was trauma. Many years ago while I'm bodybuilding, like Mr. England, absolutely amazing body, would never take my top off. They're like, what's wrong with you? you could, no, I'm too shy. That is because of the fucking trauma that I suffered. So when you put them two together, you realize what an effect that, that traumas that weren't classed as traumas then have such a huge part in your life today. Like if you, if you want to become somebody or do something and you're not doing it, it's because of trauma. You need to go back and you need to sort that shit out. You need to uncover, discover and discard all that shit. And that's what I found with, with mom and dad is I, I made my, my amends properly with my dad only about six years ago. And five years ago, he... Um, he, he uh, got Alzheimer's and a year ago he died. I never got to make amends to my mom. She died maybe 14 years ago. Never got to make amends, but we did have a few nice conversations, you know, but uh, it's tough, man. You know, it's tough. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's tough shit, especially, you know, you can't see from other people's eyes. You can theorize sometimes, like put yourself into their shoes in a sense, but to hear from your mom, that that was the first time that she saw your dad cry. That's not the angle that you had. The angle you had was him slamming the door and you being on your fucking own and knowing that there was that behind that. I, I love the humility of that because that's something that a lot of people will kind of hide. 
And that's deep trauma. That trauma probably also stemmed from his childhood as well, as you alluded to. You know, it all fucking gets back to the childhood trauma. Now, how do you walk people through on a smaller scale to be able to go back and deal with that trauma? Give us some tactical for the audience. We use a lot of tools to go back. You see, most of the trauma, first of all, is not understood. You don't know what trauma is and what the effect has. Um, but the second one is, is, is locked in the subconscious brain because we don't really deal with trauma straight away. If you look at a deer being hit by a car but doesn't die, the deer will do something unusual. What happens is he stays on the floor for a couple of seconds, then he'll jump up, and then what happens next is very important to trauma. He shakes violently for about 30 seconds and he runs off. That deer will cross the same road at the same car tomorrow, same time, and get hit because he has no fear of that because he got rid of his trauma right there and then. Human beings don't do that. We stuff it down, we stuff it down, we stuff it down. So it's about using tools like brain spotting, neuro, uh, neuroplasticity, and, it's, and uh, uh, changing your pathways and using somatic experience and you know, NLP and, 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 and original psychology to go back and take them back. And all our work is online with, with telehealth only. You can take them back and you need to deal with it. Go back to that five or six year old, see what's going on, see what that was trauma and how. I mean, here's an example. I have 93 pairs of sneakers. Why? I don't know, I'll just buy sneakers. Do you wear them all? No. Well, why have you gone? I don't know, I'll just, just buy sneakers. There was trauma, Nick. When I was a kid, about nine or 10, my mom couldn't afford shoes and socks, all but twice a year. So towards the five or six months before we get new shoes, I had holes in my shoes and holes in my socks for walking to school in the snow. Now my mom used to cut round cardboard box, the shape of the shoe. She used to put the, uh, shirt, the, the cardboard in and I'd walk to school, but halfway there, it'd be soaked through, so I'd be wet. When the counselor said to me, well, what about mom and dad on Friday and Saturday? Where do they go? And I said, oh, they go to the pub to get drunk with their friends. This is what she said to me. Did mom and dad have holes in their socks and shoes when they went to the pub at nighttime? Boom. You'd think you'd open a river. I cried and cried and cried and cried. For but you see the effect that I didn't know today. My wife thinks, why are you buying so many fucking sneakers? That's because why? I only found out that recently. It's like we all have the trauma that's attached for any behavior that's uncommon. That's a beautiful way to put that too, especially to be aware of it because there are people that buy a lot of different things and don't think about it. They just think, yeah, I just really, I'm into shoes. That's my thing. That's what I'm into. And that's about the extent that they go with it instead of asking deeper and going deeper to it. Now, when you go back through and you've relived through some of that trauma, you're not actually sitting in it, right? You're watching the movie, but what sort of, what sort of conversation are you having with little old you from the adult you, what's that conversation sort of look like or the pieces of That's it? It's powerful know? as well. It's powerful, you know? I mean, we, 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 we have to walk people through this before there's any further damage because trauma causes all sorts of crazy stuff in the brain and it also causes uh, depression, as we know. Uh, but most people don't understand the brain. When it comes to depression and stuff like that, we need, we need four chemicals every day to produce every day. And this is trauma-free. You can't, you cannot, you cannot achieve full happiness without these four chemicals, and you cannot have these four chemicals while you have trauma. So you've got to look at endorphins, the gym, you know, dopamine, reward, pleasure, thank you, compliment somebody, dopamine is release, serotonin is our social belonging and sunlight, oxytocin is our cuddling with human beings. So what happens is somebody starts to get depressed, they go depressed, go to the doctor, goes to the doctor, gives them an SSR, 
He goes on their medications, thank you pharmaceutical companies. Now he's stuck on their medication for the rest of his life. Now he gets back to normal. Why the fuck is nobody asking the question, hey Johnny, why the fuck is your serotonin low in the first place? Nobody's asking that. That's what we do. We ask the questions that everyone goes, oh wow, yeah, or don't say. See, I'm, I'm the mouth for this company. I will fucking tear you down if you try and put my methods you know, that's just crazy. I will tear you down with science. I will tear you down with over 8,000 patients we've had that are all recovered from alcoholism, got their own life back, mindset has changed, whatever it is. Because it's the understanding that unless you have brain damage, everybody can become a champion. Everybody can achieve their dreams. Every single body that comes to me is 100% success rate. You know, we're the only company in the world that has a 97% success rate. The rest are about 2 or 3%. We're the only company in the world that offer a money-back guarantee if you continue to do our program and relapse. The only company in the world that does that. Why? Because we fucking know our shit. We don't mix with them treatment centers and all them. We've got some great treatment centers, don't get me wrong, that we use. Half of them are in for the money. They're not into the person. How do we change that brain and central nervous system, therefore behavior of the person that needs to be here, but only think is here? And, and that's the learned behavior. We got, we got a, a huge mason jar. We stuck a thousand fleas in because I'd heard of this experiment, but I didn't believe it. We put the screw cap on, we punctured holes, and we left it for three days. Now, fleas can jump three foot, four foot, no problems. Then we uncapped it. Not one flea in that jar jumped higher than where the cat was, okay? That's pretty interesting. But what was mind-blowing is that when they had babies in that jar, the babies wouldn't jump higher than where the lid was, and they'd never seen the lid. So see how we get this from our parents and caregivers? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, the people you hang around with matter. How many times have you heard a mom say, oh, he's hanging around with a bad crowd? Fuck, what? Get him out of there because he's going to end up in jail. What's fucking wrong with you? Somehow, somewhere, parents dropped the ball after the Second World War about 40, 50 years ago. They, they didn't know how to control. There were that many births and everything after the Second World War that, you know, nobody knew about trauma. Yeah. I think everybody knew that there was trauma. It just people didn't actually want to fucking talk about it, which is part of the major issue. And you're not talking about it. Therefore, nobody else is talking about it. Therefore, the entire group of humans aren't really talking about it. But there's a small group. Now, we're starting to see some of that open up. There are some people I think are taking it too fucking far uh, where they're just almost selfish with it instead of looking for healing and to help others. What you talked about at a simple form, it's not solving the fucking symptoms. It's the problem. It's solving the core problem. That's the thing to do where a lot of pharmaceuticals and other companies like that, they just want to solve the symptoms or at least appease the symptoms because then that keeps you coming back. So I love that. I love the fact that you're like, look, we're going to get straight to the fucking core. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we're like, we, people have called me aggressive before. I don't give a shit, by the way. But people do because you've got to tell them the truth. You know, nobody's telling the truth anymore about this illness or the, or the disease or the depression. Like you said, the, the alcohol, the, the food, the sex, the porn, the, the everything, mindset, depression, everything is the symptom of what's really going on. What the fuck? What's fucking really going on here? You know, why aren't you performing at this level and you only at this level? And then we find out that something's happening in your life that you've hit that top where the fleas couldn't jump out. 
And what we do is we fucking take you out of that and fly you away to fucking the moon with what you can do. Every human being is capable of changing the world. Every human being, you know? And uh, I often get this as well. Nick. Well, I can't be president of the United States. I used to get that. It's like, I don't give a fuck what your personal political views are. We had a business around the country. Don't tell me you can't do anything from homeless to here. Come on, really? I've lived through that shit. My, my patients never come to me and say, I don't think I can do it, Dr. Rob. They never, I would slap them so fucking hard. They won't know what day is because mindset is everything. You know, it really is. There was, there was a trial at a school in England many years ago and the scientific lab came into the school and they said, we have a test, an exam that will tell you the top three. These were eight, nine, 10 year olds. Tell you the top three in your school that are gonna go on to be captains of industries, famous, million, billionaires even. This was back 40 years ago. And they said, well, we'd love to know that. So the next day they came, they gave everybody a test sheet. Everybody did the test, they were all gathered up. And they said, we'll be back tomorrow with the results. And they came back and they said, here's your top three, Johnny. What, Johnny? Yeah, Billy? Oh, really? Are you, is that test, Billy? And Susan? Oh, okay, I can see Susan. We'll be back in 12 months time to see how it all went. And sure enough, they turned up in 12 months time. How's our three students? And the headmaster was like, oh my God, how the hell did you know? How, how? One's had an off of college, he's 12 years old. You know, they, they all did amazing, these three students. So they said, listen, we need to know about this test. You know, we need to know, we could, we could sell it worldwide. And the, and the scientific uh, research lab said to him, well, actually, there wasn't a test. It was all fake. We threw all the exams away in the bin when we left here in the trash can. So the headmaster said, I don't understand. How come the three? I don't understand. And the scientist lab said, them three are successful because you thought they were successful. And you treated them as successful. And because you did, so they become. That's all there is to it. You know, show me your friends, look at the circle around you, dialogue with people, and don't give a shit what people think. I'm gonna start that business. Oh, really? You know, I was in Dallas, Texas. I'm thinking of writing a book, guys, with my guy. Oh, Rob, you're not an author. Don't be stupid, Rob. You can't do that. It takes years to write a book. Never wrote a book, Nick. Moved town to San Antonio three years ago. New set of guys thinking of writing a book. Fuck yeah! I would so read that book. I wrote a book. You see, so it's really important, the people around us, you will put that, if, you, if you're on 20 grand a year and want to earn 40, start hanging around the guys that earn 40 grand a year and so on and so on and so on until you get to that place. Every mind can be changed. I rewire the brain and so does my staff to every person that wants it doing. It's simple. Everybody who doesn't want to talk about it, Nick, like you said, or don't think they're bad or, yeah, I'm not going to go and seek help, help for my depression or my... Because no, never was embarrassed. Don't be, that's why we went to telehealth full time. It's like I can get in your mind within four minutes when you're sat at home in your comfy pajamas with your t-shirt on the backdrop in an office somewhere. It's amazing. It's all about mindset. It's all about a human beings, what they're capable of doing. Because if you think that you're doing the best you can right now, you're operating on 25% of what you, should, what you can be. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you've gone back a handful of times about having the people around you that starts with you as the person and you having a belief in yourself that there's more. And that's what I mentioned about earlier, getting to a point just like you to live through, just like I'd lived through. And so many people, you get to a point where you go, fuck this, things have to change. And that's on you to then take that next step. 
But even that first step, that next step can just be talking to somebody, having a conversation, and that'll start to, you know, incrementally grow from there. So what sort of advice would you give to the audience that's on the path towards self-mastery? Well, it's, it's all about, you've got to understand the mirroring part of the brain, okay? You know, salesmen use it all the time, and you cross legs, I'll cross legs, you have the beef, I'll have the beef, you have the, you know, shit like that. We all want to fit in, okay? We all want to fit in. So, again, it's, it's the dialogue, and it's the hanging with these people, and make an effort to change. Just like you just said, Nick, get up in the morning, you're going to say to yourself, fuck this, I want to change. Seek out the change. You know, be the, be the changer. Everybody in this world <clears throat> has the capacity and capability and mentality and psychological uh, brain power to, to be a leader. Everybody does. Okay? What if you're that leader? If not now, when? If not you, who? You see, you're a hundred times powerful than you think you are. And everybody needs to be led. So everyone needs a leader. Why can't it be you? So change that mindset. Get a dialogue started. Because it's like when I was suffering from alcoholism, I wasn't going to talk to anybody about it. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. But you know, when I started talking to like-minded people, I'd go, yeah, but I can't stop drinking. And the other guy said, ah, me too, right? What? You too? Yeah. So if I'm going through depression or mindset of just suicide, whatever it is, and I start mixing with like-minded people, then you kind of joke about it. So I often tell when I go to see a therapist, because I still have a therapist, went to one, I said, you're an alcoholic. He said, no, but I've been to college. And I said, you can't help me. And he said, what do you mean you can't help me? I, I can help you, I'm highly educated. I said, if you have a bottle of vodka behind your back and I want you to drink, do you know I'd stab you in the face repeatedly until you were dead to get that bottle? Whoa, whoa, there's no need for that. Yeah, you're not good to me. I go tell the next guy, you're an alcoholic. Yep, been through it all. So if you had a bottle of vodka behind you and I stab you in the face, what would you do? Fuck me, I'd do exactly the same. You see the mirroring part? Belonging to your tribe. Find your tribe. It's a beautiful way to be able to end this. Dr. Rob, it's been a pleasure to have you on, man. I appreciate the authenticity and you just being fucking real and getting into this because I know you've been through the shit too. So, man, I appreciate you being on. Where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Dr. Rob Kelly in any search engine around the world, you'll find me. I spell my name with two B's, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com's website. Jump on there. There's some great stuff on there. The book's on there. Last thing my daughter said, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. It's $9. All of the $9 goes out. So last year we took 14000 profit from the book. That was after Amazon took their part all of that money and 120,000 out of my pocket go back out into the community to help people like me. So go and do, go and do your research, go and do your finding us on social medias, you know, find us, like us, call us, text us. And listen guys, if, if there's probably might be one of two, listen to this. If you're in that place sat at home where you're depressed, where you're not thinking you're not gonna to amount to anything, when you, when you think that, you know, you're just the horrible guy, two things. First of all, I want to apologize to you because somebody's fucking put that there, okay? And secondly, 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. Text me if you're going through that because as a human being, I'd rather make 10 minutes to give you a pep talk that will change your life. Otherwise, I'll send you $100 than hear of your funeral next week. Absolutely. I... Uh... 
I can't stress that enough. I, I appreciate you being honest and open about that. And that's a big thing. So anybody that's listening, any problems, anything that's going on, if it's not one of us you're going to reach out to because you don't know who we are, or maybe you're afraid to, then let it be somebody that you know, somebody that you can just say, hey, I think I have a problem. I need to talk about it. That's what that boils down to. Again, Dr. Rob, you're the man. Appreciate you being on. Uh, we will talk to you all soon. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. And check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.